Digital brings you Launch Base. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. The world of tech startups reimagined. Build and elevate your idea, product, and company as we take you behind the scenes with successful entrepreneurs, investors, and tech professionals. These mentors showed me a map of success. Learn from inspiring stories, business strategies, and marketing techniques that will take your business to the next level. Are you ready? And now your host, John Radford. Hey, and welcome to another episode of LaunchBase. If you don't already know, this is a podcast all about tech startups and everything digital product. If you are a startup just starting out on your journey or a corporation looking to be more agile with your product development, we've got you covered. So on today's podcast, we're delighted to have Andy Skipper, founder and chief CTO coach at She's CTO Craft, join us. Sorry, a bit of a tongue-tied there. CTO Craft help technology managers become better leaders through their transformational coaching, mentorship, events and workshops. So Andy himself is a successful entrepreneur and CTO, and he's worked with a host of companies such as Made.com, Just Park, Comic Relief, Cognition X, Threads, Styling, to name just a few. Andy's a coach, investor, a CTO, and an all-round tech guru. He now helps struggling engineers and CTOs through his company, CTO Craft. Welcome, Andy. Hello there. Nice to see you. You too, Andy. Thank you for joining us. So how was the introduction there? Was that was that okay? Or is there anything you want to add or elaborate on? Or perhaps you can kind of tell us a little bit more about what your, your previous experience is and what you're doing now. Yeah, I'm sure. So I've been in CTO type roles since 2006. And before that, I was obviously an engineer. I think probably most CTOs you speak to, they made their way up through the, the engineering route. Mm-hmm. And basically, for the last nine years now, I've been coaching CTOs, firstly on a, on a pro bono basis, just through the portfolios of venture capitalists that I was working with. Um, and then for the last three years, professionally. So essentially now I run a community CTO craft, which is geared directly to coaching and supporting CTOs and technology leaders, and hopefully helping improve the, the chances of success for the startups they work for by uh, by making them better suited to, to the role, basically. That's awesome. And so is it, uh, you mentioned startups there, is it is it predominantly startups that you're working for? Or are you, are you working with kind of scale-ups and more larger enterprise clients as well? Yeah, they're typically startups and scale-ups. I think probably the, the, the largest team size we have that we're working with is something like, like 800, I think. So they're okay. not um, they're not they're not large institutions. They're much more likely startups that are at some some type of scale. Sure, sure, sure. But in our world, eight hundred is still pretty big, to be honest. So, um, <laughs> it is. That's a very uh, successful startup. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so I just picked up on something there from the the move from engineer to CTO. Now, what problems or what difficulties do you often see of uh, kind of engineers moving into that CTO role, be it in a tech startup or something like that? You know, often you you might see a couple of mates who so you've got a product guy and an and a engineer who might be a developer and they say, let's run a, you know, tech startup and that's all great. But, you know, often engineers aren't kind of natural leaders as such. And is that something that you, you're helping with? Yeah, indeed. I mean, this this is a common trap that startups fall into. They'll they'll bring in a essentially a, a very experienced engineer at the very beginning of the company, and then they they expect that person to then be capable of evolving into something more strategic and 
somebody who's capable of leading teams and building teams and, and building a culture. But it's a it's a completely different set of skills. And from from the CTA's point of view, that one of the biggest mistakes is not recognizing that that transition that at some point they have to to evolve into that leader. And, yeah, and, and, and yeah. is that a role of a modern CTO? Is it more of a leadership thing? I mean, does does the CTO do any coding at all in your mind? It depends on the stage of the company. You know, I, th- right. I think in the very very early days of the company, it, you might not have the CTO title, but the the person at the the top of the engineering food chain essentially should be next to the code. They should be at least involved in coding. But then you can't do that if you've got a team of fifteen, fifty. 100 you know so it's dependent on the stage yeah sure and let's can can we talk about those stages actually and what you see as the natural progression through the kind of the life cycle of an engineering team of a startup how, how does that progress yeah so so typically as i say you'll, you'll have somebody in the the c type title i mean uh, my my advice to startups is usually that the first person you bring in on a on a technology basis is not necessarily given the C level title straight away, um, okay. but typically that that first person is your your engineer, and then they'll they'll hire a few engineers around them. But when they get to you know maybe five to ten people, they're going to be doing more leadership and strategic stuff and and management and planning as they are techie stuff. So the the role starts to shift. Sure, and then sure. then. Yeah, and then once once they get to kind of thirty people, they're more likely to have a bunch of teams rather than one team that they're responsible for. So they're they're probably going to be managing a team of managers, and and so it goes from there. Basically, the more more people you have, the more teams you have, the more levels you have in the hierarchy. So you become further and further away from the code, basically. Yeah, cool, cool. And you have previously invested in startups yourself. That's correct, right? Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So you know, as a as an investor with with technical expertise as, as you have, what kind of importance do you think there is on a startup? We're talking very early stages here of having someone technical, be it CTO or whatever you want to call them, on the kind of the the founding team. Um, not necessarily on the founding team, but having somebody right at the beginning of the company who is technical is is an absolute necessity for me personally to invest i don't know this is my my personal thesis but it's not right for everyone Um, no why is that just out of interest mainly because i've i've been involved in a lot of early stage companies myself and 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 i've also come into a lot of early stage companies that didn't have that that technology person in the in the initial team and and that's it had to tidy up the mess (laughs) because of that Yeah. Yeah. yeah Well, it's, 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 I asked the question because it's, it's something, you know, talking to various VCs that we've also had on the show, you know, it's, it's, it's a theme that it's not a deal breaker, but mm-hmm. at the same time, a lot of investors and VCs are, do have major concerns if, number one, if it's just a solo founder, you're, all, you're up against it from, from the, the get-go. And secondly, if there isn't someone technical on that kind of that leadership team. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think uh, certainly coming in beyond seed stage, if they're coming in at kind of um, post seed or Series A, Series B, you shouldn't really be investing in a company that doesn't have at least some kind of technology function within it, even if they're outsourcing all the tech. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And outsourcing the tech is a is a good thing sometimes, as you know, Andy. And you know, there's many great companies such as Born who do that. <laughs> 
Indeed, indeed. So I've got my plug-in. Um, I, I, I want to get your plug-in because, you know, I think we've discussed kind of what some of the pitfalls are. And, and so let's talk about how, how you actually help them and what the program does and, you know, what's what's coming up and what people can expect from CTO Craft. Yeah, sure. So, so the main part of CTO Craft is the community itself, which is uh, mm-hmm. we're about two and a half thousand people. And essentially it's a, a peer mentoring community. So people join it so that they can network, so that they can have a, a group of people that they can bounce ideas off or ask for advice on things that are challenging them. Um, and then we also have some more direct programs on top of that. So we have mentoring groups where essentially they join a, a group of 12 meeting once a month. And basically the the kinds of reasons people have for joining those is that they the, the CTO role can be quite a lonely role. So essentially, you're you're at the you're at the intersection between the commercial side of the business and the technology side of the business, and it, it can be quite isolating. But yeah. people people join because they they just want a a group of of peer CTOs or VPs of engineering that they know they can meet every month and that they they have direct access to essentially. Cool, um, cool. Yeah, and then and we, that, we also uh, have. Sorry, Karen. I was going to say we we also do one to one coaching, and then that that tends to be for CTOs that have a more direct and immediate challenge of some kind. So we see a lot lot of lot of CTOs who are dealing with stress and burnout, for example, or they're they're not managing their workload, or they they have a lot of conflict within their startups that they're trying to to deal with. Yeah, reasons like that. Uh, I, I, I don't, I'm not sure if there's a, a software engineering team that doesn't have conflict at some stage. <laughs> indeed, uh, indeed. You know, I, a, a typical one that we have is a conflict between, you know, myself, commercial, and um, someone technical in terms of what's achievable and what isn't achievable and that kind of stuff. Is that is that the sort of stuff that you, you can help people with? Yeah, totally. You know, it's about managing conflicts, not about eradicating it. Yeah, and yeah, you know, okay. as you say, that a, a company, a startup that doesn't have any kind of stress or or tension in it is is probably not going to succeed. I don't think. <laughs> Absolutely, and I think that's what kind of spurs people on. So, do you yeah. guys get um, technical in terms of actually helping people with delivery solutions, or is it more of a kind of holistic support with general knowledge and that sort of thing? More of the latter, but we do get involved with stuff like delivery and process and agile and that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. it's, it's typically more about the the people and the teams and the um, the culture and the the way they do things and the the kind of people they have on the teams. But yeah, not not hugely technical. Yeah, sure. And so cultures are it's an interesting one in this kind of new normal world that we're in. I, I, you know, I feel like tech teams, a, a lot of them were already distributed anyway. But that's not entirely the case, you know. Especially in London, you know, there's a there's a lot of people who enjoy working together and you know coding and all this sort of stuff and sitting together mm. and problem solving as a group so yeah. what what challenges has this new normal of covid presented for for coding teams and ctos specifically well firstly well let's start with new hires so essentially a lot of the the teams that i work with have continued scaling over the last year right. which means they've had to first of all they've had to interview and uh, secure people against a lot of competition, but they've also then had to onboard them remotely and try and get them embedded in the culture and get them productive without even meeting. Right? Sure. So it's um, sure. it, 
it is an added level of layer of complexity, basically. Yeah, um, absolutely. Also, had a, a lot of people who are dealing with drops in morale in their teams. I think yeah. not necessarily not necessarily because they're not able to get into the office, or not not solely that, but just from the point of view of being isolated and not being able to see their families and so on and so forth. Yeah, and absolutely. Then, and- it's 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 a culture is an important thing and have you have you helped anybody with kind of maintaining or establishing culture within a a tech organization yeah absolutely absolutely so we certainly had a number of people who who've been in the coaching program or in the mentoring circles who have essentially built a culture organically without really thinking about it Mm-hmm. Um, and a, a lot of their their own personal hangups and a lot of the the founders' hangups have made their way into the culture. So it's not it's not necessarily a, a safe space to experiment. And you know, there's a, mm-hmm. a fear of failure, et cetera, et cetera. And we we just help them to expose that and, and make incremental changes, basically. And so it becomes a, an easier place to work. Yeah, great, great. And so as a as a, as a CTO. What kind of problems is CTO craft, you know, solving for for our CTOs? Like, who's coming to you, and what what problems do they typically have when they find you guys? Yeah, so as as I say, there tends to be first, second, third time CTOs who are dealing with some kind of mismatch and expectations on what their their role should be, or they're dealing right. with some kind of um, stress or isolation or you know, conflict between them and the um, the non-technical parts of the business. Sure. We, we help them by taking a fresh look at what those relationships are, what they should be expecting of themselves as well. Yeah, awesome. And so you have a couple of courses coming up. Is that is that right? You've got one one coming up in March, I, I think. We um, do, yes. Do yes, you want to we talk to a... us about that and what, we, what, what people can expect from those courses? Sure. So it's actually a conference, and um, we have a, a conference coming up on the the twenty third of March. Great. And that one's going to be completely focused on delivery and process and metrics and uh, releasing and roadmaps and that kind of thing. Uh, that's, right. uh, that's the next thing that's coming up. So that's a little bit more hands on potentially than uh, some of the some of the other stuff that we've talked about. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. So th- that's much more about agile and, and actually getting stuff out there. Is anybody not running Agile these days? <laughs> yes, sadly, plenty of people are not running Agile. Really? Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Or running some version of Agile, which is not actually Agile. So um, talk, yeah. to, talk to us and the listeners about what Agile means to you, you know, in a, in a dummy's guide to Agile and why Agile is so great. Because, you know, we run Agile for, for our clients and, you know, the, the, the difficulty we have is that, you know, you guys are probably working with product teams and so you're able to kind of put out your backlog and everything and, you know, potentially there's not a limitless budget, but when it's an in-house project, then you're kind of iterating rapidly and you're, and you're doing stuff and you're just paying people their salaries. But when, you know, on the flip side for us, when we're running Agile, Clients love the sound of Agile, but then they also like the sound of uh, knowing exactly how much things are going to cost. And those two things mm-hmm. don't necessarily add up. So, you know, we we try our best to run a hybrid of that and give clients a level of comfort against an Agile. But talk to us about what Agile truly is and what it truly means to you and how running a Agile development team and shipping products, because that's what it's all about, is shipping products, you know, how that works for you. 
Well, yeah, no, I'd argue with that. I'd say it's not about shipping products. It's about delivering value. Um, okay, but great, I, great. I, you know, agile, agile in the true sense is is about responding to change and being able to respond to change. Okay. And, you know, I think I think that's why agile in a product company versus agile in a an agency or a consultancy is so different. Because, um, with, as you say, within a a company, you're you're not necessarily worried about a a budget for a project, although potentially you should be. But um, you're you're not then having to justify every change of direction you're not having to justify every extension based on how much it costs to a client yeah, um, no. and you're also not having to you're not having to try and match a culture and a working method with with a separate company which you are when you're an agency trying to do agile yeah. you know when you're doing yeah. when you're doing agile in a in a startup you can essentially bake it into the the culture of the company from the beginning which you can't really do if you're a different company yeah. Do you work with agency CTOs as well as kind of startup CTOs? Yes. Yeah. 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 We do have a lot of agency and consultancy CTOs. Cool. Cool. So you've seen, you know you've seen the, the the problems and solutions from both sides, which I guess is useful. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And so let's talk about running running agile from you know B two B, not B two B, but uh, from a product side from the if you're an in house team. Just, just talk us through that, you know, a dummy's guide to agile and what agile means. Yeah, so let me let me describe the wrong way to do agile, okay, <laughs> and perfect. then and then reverse. <laughs> um, but essentially, the the wrong way to do agile is to 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 pick some methodology like Scrum or you know something larger scale like Safe or something like that. Um, put it in place, hire in experts to to oversee the implementation, and be completely rigid about how you do it and be much more focused on the process and the the outcomes and the business value that that process should be producing. That's that's right. the wrong way to do it. Okay. There's no real benefit to that over something older school like Waterfall or, or Prince mm-hmm. 2 or whatever. The right way to do it is to, to pick something fairly lightweight and then iterate it. Iterate right. it based on what your, your team actually needs and based so when on, you say pick something lightweight, are we talking functionality here? Or? Um, well, parts parts of a process. So, so typically, okay. typically it, it starts off with something like a, a Kanban wall where you have a set of project states and cards for each of the, the user stories or bits of work that you need to do. Yep. And then some way of measuring your throughput through that. And I, I typically add sprints. So basically, I like to package package work into specific time boxes, but not every team does that. But yeah. some, something as, as lightweight and as painless to change as possible and not being completely religiously attached to it. So you're, you're not yeah. afraid to, to tweak. That's, that's the, the right way to do it. Uh, I love that. And you, you mentioned managing, uh, measuring the throughput, or was it the output? Whichever mm-hmm. one that was, yeah, how, how do we measure that? Would that be, for instance, as in we've implemented a new sign-up flow or something like that? Is that an example of that? And then, but how would you go about measuring that? Or is that then down so, to more of the product team? Yeah, that's more of a product metric, to be honest. I think the, the kind yeah. of metric that I'm thinking about is uh, is lead time or cycle time, where basically okay. you you keep a a rolling average of the um, at the time it takes from creating a piece of work or, or having the idea and recording the idea to it actually being in production. 
Got it. And I guess that's how you measure a software engineering team's efficiency and, and, and output. It's not how you measure it, it's how you keep track of trends. Okay. So basically, you're, you're able then to see whether you're becoming more productive or less. Awesome, awesome. And so what, what role does, where does a product manager or project manager fit into that agile workflow? So the product side of things is more about what you're building. Yeah. And it's more about being able to measure the, the success of the things that are being built as opposed to how they're being built. Mm-hmm. And a project manager, I don't know. It's a, it's a fairly um, it's a fairly old school term, fairly old school role, I think. But it's, it, essentially, it's it's a way of making sure the developers do the right thing. I mean, um, are you a believer that good devs manage themselves? Is that is that the new school way? Yeah, indeed. I think you know if you yeah. if you give them the the understanding of what the business priorities are and the order in which you want things done, and some some guardrails as they call them. Um, then you're, you should be capable of just leaving them to, uh, to pick out the work and, uh, and implement as they need to with, with minimal intervention. Sure, sure. So like in terms of de- the delivery, you know, MVPs, you know, co- continuous product iteration, is that something that you help people with or are you more focused on the kind of the tech, the tech output? More about the, the tech output and the, um, the productivity. But essentially, there are definitely CTOs in the community who are at that MVP stage. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and and, and, and what yeah. about kind of the underlying tech that that people are people are using? Can you inform and help people make decisions in terms of you know what what software they should actually be using, what programming languages, for instance? Are there any kind of trends that you're seeing everybody picking up i mean there's always something trendy or happening like it changes every week what everybody seems to be using but is that is that something you can advise on yeah so i I typically track those trends by the the number of complaints about how difficult it is to find developers for the different languages okay that's such a good point that is such a good point my cto I, i keep telling him why aren't we using this tech you know i've heard all of these people on twitter and clubhouse mentioning this tech and he's like because he can't find any damn developers for it that's why he's like i know everybody thinks it's super trendy but like we're stuck with php because we can find php devs there you go there you go but yeah no i mean the the flavor of the day is python i think right. mainly because Python's quite an easy language to pick up, but it's also the the language of choice for data science and and also quite a lot of server management stuff. And so it's it's also the one that's complained about the most in terms of uh, skyrocketing salaries and competition for people well, and that kind yeah, of thing. They, you know, supply and demand, isn't it? But yeah, data Indeed. science is kind of it's the, that's that's the thing, isn't it? Going into twenty twenty one. So yeah, that's it. So Andy, it's been awesome talking to you. I think there's there's a lot of value that you know you can add to CTOs. I want to let you plug the conference, let people know where they can find more details about this and and how they can sign up. So I'll, I'll hand over to you. Yeah, I'm sure. Thanks. So um, it's called the delivery one because, as I said before, it is completely focused on on delivery. If you go to yep. conference.ctocraft.com, you can see all the uh, the speakers that we've got lined up. We've got CTOs from Intercom and. Puppet and Etsy and Auth Zero and a whole bunch more that we're going to be we're going to be announcing over the next week or two. But yeah, please come along it's from March the twenty third to the twenty fifth. Awesome, sounds great. We'll put links and everything in the description of the podcast.
Andy, it's been great talking to you. I think it's you know it's really interesting to hear from someone more on the technical side of things. And you know, thank you very much for your time. Thanks for joining us. No, thanks for having me. Cheers, John. Cheers, Andy. Thank you for listening to another episode of LaunchBase, brought to you by Born Digital. Mission complete. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a comment. For more info and to stay connected off the show, visit launchbase.fm.